0: My name is Stephanie Safarian, and you're listening to another Headlines episode of Sustainable Minimalists. If you're new here, we do Headlines differently. It's a different type of episode. On Headlines, I'm covering need-to-know environmental news stories in 15-ish minutes or less. So let's get right into the big story. Perhaps you heard something about it in the news this week. It has to do with plastics, and it has to do with clouds. Yes, it's true. group of researchers recently found microplastics in the clouds above Mount Fuji. Now, fun little fact here, back when I was young and cool, I hiked Mount Fuji in the middle of the night so that I could see the sunrise from the top. It was one of the best experiences of my young life. I'm not young and cool anymore. Now I'm old and curmudgeonly. But yes, researchers found material that's used in many plastic products, such as clear food wrap, shopping bags, and detergent bottles in clouds above Mount Fuji. Now, how did they get there? Well, first of all, let's just say that many of us regard microplastics as round, as spherical right? But they're not. Many of the particles are shaped less like a ball and more like a ribbon, so flat and long. And this flatter shape explains why these microplastics are able to travel vast distances, and end up in the most remotest of places. The microplastics in the clouds above Mount Fuji were mainly transported from the ocean. The researchers believe that these very fine marine microplastics were dispersed into the atmosphere from waves splashing into the air. Now, when a microplastic is long and flat like a ribbon, it's also light so it can travel. It can almost, dare I say, fly. Now, what are the implications of microplastics in clouds? Well, we aren't quite sure yet, but researchers believe these airborne microplastics can and will influence cloud formation, and if clouds are influenced, the climate is also influenced. When a plastic is degraded, it can provide a surface for water to latch onto, and this means that clouds could form differently or disperse more quickly, which will potentially affect temperature and rainfall. There's also the thought amongst researchers that if plastic particles are in clouds, water can condense around these plastic particles, which will form water droplets and potential ice crystals In the atmosphere. Again, it's too soon to say what this means. However, it's important to know that yes, microplastics are everywhere. They're atop Mount Everest, they're in human blood, they're in our food supply, and they're also in the clouds. We're moving on today. Let's discuss leaf blowers. It is, at least in my location, leaf blower season. They are noisy, yes, and the gasoline-powered leaf blowers also spew toxic chemicals and planet warming emissions into the air. They are very disruptive to natural habitats, yes, and a new report out last week found that the impacts of gas-powered lawn and garden equipment in Massachusetts, my home state, generated more than six 100,000 tons of carbon dioxide in just one year in 2020. This is the amount equivalent to the pollution from about 135,000 standard cars. Now, this report is among the latest research to support that transition from gas powered lawn equipment to electric powered lawn equipment. It's less polluting. It's quieter. It is less disruptive to ecosystems. Now, multiple cities across the U.S. have already implemented bans or limits on the use of these gas-powered tools, Washington, D.C., Miami Beach, Evanston, Illinois, those are just some. Starting next year, California will enact a statewide ban on the sale of new gas-powered lawn tools. There it is, California yet again leading the way. Now, I know many of you are saying to yourselves as you're listening, But the electric lawn tools, they don't work as well. They're not as powerful. Well, let's challenge that. I did have a representative from Consumer Reports on a few months back, and he said that that is an old wives' tale. That may used to have been true, but these days, electric lawn equipment, the lawn mowers, the leaf blowers... The electric versions of these items and more have come an awful long way, and for the majority of us, we will not notice a difference in using the electric options on the market. Now, let's talk about emissions. Many leaf blowers are powered by two-stroke engines. They run a mix of oil and gas. In 2020 alone, lawn equipment across the U.S. produced more than 68,000 tons of nitrogen oxides, as well as more than 350,000 tons of VOCs, those volatile organic compounds. And emissions, right? They're not good for our atmosphere. Our atmosphere has some problems going on right now. They're also not good for us to breathe in. Let's talk about noise. A pilot study found that the loud noise from the machinery we're talking about can travel up to 800 feet away from the source. Short and long-term exposure to noise pollution is linked to a host of health effects, increased risk of heart attacks, strokes, and other serious heart-related problems. The CDC, by the way, lists gas-powered leaf blowers and lawnmowers among the sources of loud noise that can damage our hearing over time. Now, if you're wondering, yes, electric leaf blowers, they're much quieter. Consumer Reports did give electric devices an average score of 2.9 for noise at the ear. That's compared to 1.7 for the gas models. And yes, the lower the score, the worse the noise. I wanted to bring up this new report today because it's time that we all, all of us homeowners with lawns take a good hard look at our reverence for our lawns. While electric lawn and garden equipment is becoming more common here in the U.S., the commercial landscaping industry has a long way to go. So if you pay a company to take care of your lawn, Let's ask them what they are doing and whether they have plans to change. There are roughly 700,000 landscaping companies in the U.S., but only 300 to 400 of them are fully electric. Many companies do offer hybrid services, so I suggest you reach out to your company and say, hey, do you offer hybrid services? What about all electric? I'm interested. And if not, perhaps if you have one in your area that is more environmentally friendly, perhaps it's time to make the switch. We're going to take our ad break. And when we come back, I have two more stories for you. One is about a solar powered car. Yes, solar powered car. And the other is about electric planes, airplanes that run on electricity alone. Yes, it's happening. I'll see you in a minute. And we're back. Before the break, we discussed microplastics in clouds. Yep, we found them atop Mount Fuji. And we discussed the hopeful rise of electric lawn equipment. We need it. Our ecosystems need it. Now we're on to the world's first off-road solar SUV. Yes, all solar SUV just drove across Morocco. It was powered only by the sun Now, yes, those zero tailpipe emissions cars, the EVs, they're soaring in popularity right now, but you know it to be true. If you live in an area without those charging places, without that infrastructure in place, it's really hard to get on board with the EVs. Well, Stella Terra is a khaki green SUV that uses solar panels on its sloping roof to charge its electric battery. The vehicle can drive long distances powered entirely by the sun, and it is the world's first off-road solar-powered vehicle, and it could, again, help connect those remote areas where there's no charging infrastructure and no ability to ever have charging infrastructure. Now, a team tested this vehicle in Morocco earlier this month. They drove more than 621 miles between the country's northern coast and the Sahara Desert in the south. The car was tested on a variety of surface. The car's top speed was 90 miles an hour. And on a sunny day, its battery range was around 441 miles on roads. In cloudy conditions, of course, because remember, again, this is a solar-powered car, in cloudy conditions, the team estimates that the range would be about 30-ish miles or less, if only relying on the solar panels. Now, let's talk about EVs for a minute, the EVs that are Slowly taking over. Well, electric SUVs are much heavier than standard electric vehicles. They require bigger and heavier batteries to power them. By the way, shout out to one of my previous episodes all on lithium. It was called The White Gold Rush. Lithium mining and using on a mass scale is not a benign practice. I will link to that episode in the show notes so you all can educate yourselves if you missed it. But minimizing a vehicle's weight is essential, and 22 students that worked on the car, they focused on making every element ultra-efficient. The Stellaterra SUV weighs just about 2,500 pounds, and that number is 25% less than the average mid-size SUV. And best news of all, because there are solar panels on top, a much smaller battery can be used since it's charging while it's driving different from an EV, right? It doesn't charge while it drives. Now, there are some challenges. It's not as though solar-powered vehicles are a brand new thing. Innovators have been working on such a car for over a decade. There was one company that was making strides. They announced that their car was going to be mass-produced in 2022. However, earlier this year, 2023, the company filed for bankruptcy. However, it doesn't mean it's dead. This group, the one who just successfully drove this solar power SUV across Morocco, does hope that their concept SUV can be mass produced in the near future. One more story before we say goodbye, and that's all about electric planes. It was once a fantasy, wasn't it? Well, one just flew from Vermont to Florida. An electric plane just flew from Vermont to Florida. Yes, that's true. What a time to be alive. Now, I have to say, it did take 16 days. (laughs) Yes, it did take 16 days. But the airplane ran on batteries. It made nearly two dozen stops to rest and recharge during the trip. And when the journey came to an end in Florida, the company that made the plane named Beta Technologies, handed the plane over to the U.S. Air Force, and the Air Force will be experimenting with it over the next few months. Now, yes, we're not ready to all hop on an electric plane anytime soon, especially if the trip is going to take days, not hours. However, this successful flight does offer a vision of what aviation can look like in the years to come. This vision shows us one in which the skies may indeed be filled with aircrafts that do not emit greenhouse gases as they run. Now, in addition to producing none of those greenhouse gases, electric aircrafts are designed to be simpler to operate and maintain than the conventional helicopters and planes that we are used to. They are not expected to take to the skies in large numbers for many years. However, once they do, their trips will likely be short. From Burlington, Vermont to Syracuse, New York, for example, modern batteries can support limited range and weight. And so as a result, aircrafts powered by batteries can generally carry only a handful of passengers or a small load of cargo. The cost of producing such aircrafts will be high to start, and yes, we do need special infrastructure in place. In cities, widespread electric flights will not be possible without expanded infrastructure. They're going to need vertical landing and takeoff sites as well as public support. But hey, again, what a time to be alive. An electric airplane just flew. It did take 16 days, but an electric airplane just flew from Vermont to Florida. Pretty darn cool. So listeners, we have a long weekend. I will see you on Tuesday where we're discussing gratitude. It is the season of gratefulness, grateful living. On Tuesday's episode, I'm bringing you what I consider to be a very insightful interview with an author all about the practice of gratitude. I will see you on Tuesday. Quick reminder, we have a Facebook group. Did you know that? It's been around for six years. Amazing people in it. I think there's been zero fights, maybe like one little contentious post in six years, which is pretty darn good. So come join us. Search Facebook for sustainable minimalists. We would love to have you. We also do a bit of um, we do a bit of episode, you know, discussions, recaps. So the episode comes out and we chat about it in the group. So if you want a little bit more of me and that Come join us, Sustainable Minimalists on Facebook. I will see you Tuesday. Have an amazing long weekend and take care.